0: Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Signal to Noise.
1: This is Henry Rollins, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. Consider yourself lucky.
0: This is Hank 3, and you're listening to Signal to Noise.
2: All right, everybody, hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Signal to Noise. Um, It's been a while since my last show. Well, actually, the last show was just put out. It's been a while since I recorded. It was February when I recorded the last show when we did the NAMM show with Scott from Radioactive Metal, and uh, now I've got another episode for you tonight. Um, and I actually have another co-host. I have my buddy Sean here. Uh, that We used to be in a band together. So, Sean, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining me tonight. I do appreciate it. Hello,
3: yeah, no problem.
2: So, Sean and I are going to talk to you guys, well, just about some random stuff that we were talking about earlier. And um, tonight's show, we're also going to feature an interview with Nick Catney's of Black Label Society. So, Nick... Um, Nick Nick's kind of near and dear to my heart because uh, Nick is a local boy. He's a uh, local to the Pittsburgh area where I, I live as well. And back in the day, um, I remember this band called High Voltage. And Sean, I know you remember them as well. Oh yeah. And they were the the band to 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 try to model if you were a young young band up and coming because they they had had all their all their stuff together. Um, and High Voltage just happened to be Nick Catoneese's first band. Uh, before he would have moved on to Black Label Society. Now, Sean, I know you and John, uh, John from Iron City Rocks, uh, had the opportunity to see Black Label recently. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the show?
3: Oh, it was it was an awesome show. They opened for uh, Judas Priest, and uh, you know, there's so much energy that him and Zach have on stage, and, and JD, the bass player. Um, yeah, it was it was an awesome show. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. And I love to hear you say that, that they have a lot of energy on stage. I mean, you know, I've seen the DVDs and, and you know, you can see that kind of electricity. Um, have you got to see like a lot of young bands lately by any chance?
3: Yeah, actually.
2: Uh, oh, that's right. You just did that battle, that yeah. judging. Yeah. So have you noticed that like the bands that are like half our age can't keep <laughs> up with it with the older guys?
3: Yeah, it seems like that.
2: I, I don't uh, get that.
3: I, I, I don't know. I think part of it is like the one band that uh, at the battle of the bands, uh, you know, they were younger. They had been together for six six months or so. They had a lot of energy, but I think part of it is music's a lot more technical now. It seems like there's a lot more going on with it that you know, they're trying to pay attention and put on a show at the same time gets kind of difficult. I think
2: I'll buy that. However. A, let's talk about what Nick and Zach are doing, because we just said they got a lot of energy, and those guys are uh, definitely not simple guitar players. You know? Not They're, at all. They've got some chops. And B, I, I'm going to take you back quite a few years, but do you remember Billy Sheehan's definition of a good trick? And I think this would go to a good riff, good song, good anything. you remember his definition?
3: Uh, no, it's been a while.
2: So, and I, I don't think you were there with me, but I, I drove up to... I drove to Erie the one time to see Billy talk at a music store, and he said, a trick is not a good trick unless you can do it running full speed across <laughs> a 30-foot stage in the dark, tripping over all your cables, and yeah, still pull it off.
3: Funny you should mention that, because a while, this is years ago, one of the first G3 tours, uh, was Satriani, Vi, and uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. And Steve Vai's band was playing and they were playing the Attitude song, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with from his uh from the Flexible album. But him and uh Mike Keneally was his backup guitarist back then. Mike Keneally also used to play with Zappa. But they were playing they were both playing the same part uh, the solo, running back and forth against across the stage didn't miss a note. It was awesome, man.
2: See, and that's what I love about guitar players like that. Because, I mean, you know, Vi, obviously we all know that Vi is an amazingly technical player, but he's able to do it and make it look easy. Yeah. You know, and that's the same vibe that I get from Nick. Because when Nick and I are talking in the interview that we're going to play here in a little bit, he really plays down his ability, and, and it just makes me chuckle because I know he's a heck of a player. And he, it's he's, he's one of those guys that just goes up on stage, does what he does, and makes it look simple right you know even even if it's not and that's that 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 is the that, that's that's to me that's like the true um the true test of a great player you know if they can make something really difficult look really easy then they're doing their their, their job i yeah have you been in the rock and roll hall of fame yeah yeah all right so i i can have a whole nother rant on that for another show which we will someday but do you remember the hendrix theater that he used to have
3: uh, it's been
2: a while. Um, I think so. So, they used to have this 20 minute looping tape of Hendrix, Hendrix, just Hendrix live footage. And I would go in there and just sit, and I could just sit and watch that over and over. But Hendrix is just doing so, some amazing, amazing soloing, not looking at his hands, not looking at anything. And, and it just makes it look so effortless. But like every note, you know, no matter what it was, is just planned and just kind of. You know, flowing from his body. You know, I I love players like that, love players like that.
3: But I think, I mean, that's going back to Nick and Zach. I mean, Zach's such a a great guitar player to begin with. And, you know, I mean, Nick, I met Nick and he is, he's very humble and very down to earth. But I think a lot of that has to come from, you know, he remembers where he comes from and his parents, you know, great people, they've supported him every step of the way since high voltage days. And I think, you know, they try, you know, keep him grounded and, you know so him being humble, you know, it, it's you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised that because that, I mean, that's the way he is. But you know, he keeps up with Zach Wild, and Zach Wild's you know, awesome guitar player. And, you know, he's they don't call him the evil twin for nothing. I mean, <laughs> he's called the evil twin because I mean, he can pretty much pull off everything Zach does, so For no,
2: that's awesome, yeah. And and we actually talk, talk about some of the challenges that Zach tosses at him during the interview, so. Uh, without further ado, we're going to get to our interview with Nick Katniss here, um, and we're going to talk about Nick's guitar, and then when Sean and I come back, um, heck, well, we got a few other things to talk about.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I have on the phone with me today, Nick Katniss of Black Label Society. Nick, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, man.
1: Hey, well, thanks for agreeing to do the interview today. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited to talk about your new guitars and such.
0: Oh, cool, man. Very cool. Uh,
1: so, I heard that you just got back from the Revolver Golden God. How
0: was that? Uh, cool. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I mean, go out and see, uh, you know, see everybody and, you know, got to see Zach and, and, uh, the guys from, uh, Dean Markley, uh, flew me out and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, kind of like a big hang and, you know, got to, got to meet some people. I never really got to meet before got to meet Alice Cooper and, and, uh, you know, so that's always, that's always, uh, you know, a thrill. I mean, it's, you know, when you see people like that, it's, you know, those are legends.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so, uh, but it was cool. I mean, you know, like one big, one big, uh, like, kind of like music frat party. (laughs) You know, but, uh, yeah, man, it was, you know, it was a lot of fun.
1: Cool. So how, how, like, what was that, I know he's had his crazy stage persona back in the seventies, and I know he's chilled out a little bit, so what was it like to meet him in person who Alice cooper i'm sorry
0: oh. oh he he was really really quiet and i mean really you know mild mannered and and polite and you know sat there and talked to me and i mean he's you know i mean he's been sober for a long time and i mean he's like an avid golfer i mean he's he's uh you know I mean he's just uh you know just that's just you know it, it turns into you know just a persona you know and and uh you know that's it i mean he's it's uh you know it's an act, and uh you know that's that's what he does for a living oh that's crazy it's yeah.
1: so it's so funny to think of where he was to where he's come from, you know.
0: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it. Uh, you know, dude. Everybody, you know, it's it's age. You know, everybody gets older, and and you know, it's just like people want you know, Metallica to write you know another ride to lightning again. It's like, dude, you realize they're not eighteen anymore. I mean, it's you know, they're older. They have families. It's you know. It is what it is, and and you know they're not selling out. They're they're mature. They're you know what I mean. It's 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 yeah. you know head headfield at forty, you know forty one, forty two, whatever he is now, and you know instead of being eighteen, nineteen years old, and you know I'm sorry, I you know that you know that last mentality a CD, I thought kicked ass. I mean that was you know to me, death magnetic was was you know, definitely one of the top, top ones, you know, that was a great going, yeah, I mean, going, going back to the old, his old sound, and I mean, I mean, the songs are great, you know, and obviously Robert playing on it, so, you know, but people get older, man, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just the way it is, and, you know, it's, it's it's not a sellout, man, it's, it's people just, uh, you know, you develop, different interest and, and that's it.
1: But you know what disc it is I really loved? It came out, right, well, right before Death Magnetic was St. Anger. Like, everybody gives mm-hmm. so much slack for that. I think it's a great disc. I mean, I hate the snare drum sound, but I think it's yeah. a really solid disc, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, man, I, like, I don't, you know, it's Metallica. I mean, I, I don't think that they can really put out crap I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's a reason why they're, you know, one of the biggest metal bands in the world and can sell out stadiums by themselves. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the proofs in the pudding. I mean, it's, you know, like, no matter what people say, there's always going to be haters and, you know, thank God there's haters. Cause you know, if everybody loved you, it'd be really boring.
1: Exactly. You know?
0: But, uh, yeah, so, I mean,
1: that's it. <laughs> hey, so, who inspired you to pick up a guitar? Like, like who? who's your influence? What drove you to start playing guitar?
0: Uh, Eddie Van Halen. I mean, first time I heard Van Halen, one was, well, actually, actually, it was, uh, Kiss Alive 1 was my first album that I ever got. Yeah. And, and, uh, So I mean, seeing that was was huge. I mean, you know, Ace, and and, you know, then the first time I heard Eddie, you know, it wasn't even eruption. It was you know, just running with the devil and ain't talking about love and atomic punk. I mean, just like how was that happening? On like I don't even know what it was, you know. And just seeing the guitar and the black and white stripes and the like, the whole thing was just so killer. I was just like. I got to learn how to do this, you know, and uh, I still haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> I'm getting there, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's a, I mean, that was my, you know, that was my thing was, was, uh, you know, I mean, I had a kiss lunchbox in kindergarten. I mean, so I was, I was pretty much fucked from the beginning. It was just, yeah. I mean, everybody else had Kermit and Miss Piggy and I had Gene Simmons spitting blood. I mean, and so it was, it was on from then, so, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'd say it was Eddie and, you know, Kiss and, you know, I, you know, uh, Ted Nugent, Weekend Warriors was my, oh. you know, like my third album I had to like smoke, smoke screen and good friends in a bottle of wine. I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean, that's it. I mean, when you, <laughs> when you got that as your lineup, man, it's, it's you know, it's pretty cool
1: you're just such a
0: badass on guitar. Oh, I know. And I got to meet him too, like at the uh, PRS experience I did NAMM, like the first time I went out when I joined PRS, they, he was, you know, he was out there and, and you know hung out, gave me his phone number, and I mean, like, you know, I sent a text message to Ted, you know, when he played in Pittsburgh, and actually responded back to me, and like I'm freaking out on my couch, like. Ted Nugent just just sent me a text, and you know my fiance is like, so what? I'm like, you don't get it. I'm like, this is this is the Nuge. I'm like, come on, like you know this is this is huge to me, you know. And but uh, you know, she's like, but do you realize you're in a band and people, you know, kind of know who you are? too? I'm like, but this is Ted Nugent. I'm like, there's a huge difference. Like I'm not even a pimple on his ass cheek. It's like. You know, there's a a massive difference between me and Ted Nugent, but, but uh, no, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, it's cool, man. I mean, you know, getting to meet him and, and, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the coolest things about my job. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a, I get to like actually have the title of Zach Wilde's guitar player. Yeah. Like there's not many people ever like I can say that I'm the only guitar player he's ever played with. So it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much it, you know, and, uh, you know, getting to meet, you know, my idols and people that have, you know, looked up to and, and, uh, you know, still be a fan. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's awesome about it. Yeah. You you have to keep the the fan aspect of, of it,
1: you know,
0: That's 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 what makes music magical in the first place, you know. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's you know, that's what keeps music fun.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's you know, it keeps music fun, and it and it and it makes you appreciate what you're doing. You know, it's like when you're looking down at it. You know, when you're playing and you're seeing the fans get into it, it's like I was there. You know, I I know what that's like. You know, I, I know. You know, you know what it's like to you know, like to be there and get, you know, a pick thrown at you and, and I mean it's it's killer, you know, it's yeah. it's it's definitely a a cool thing to do for a living.
1: So speaking of man doing this for a living, so at what point did you realize guitar was going to be a career for you? Like at what point did you realize like this is all I wanna do?
0: Um I don't know. I mean it it was you know, I mean when I you know, I put a band together when I was fifteen, and you know, it was just being—I mean, the high voltage thing was—you know—I really never had a job. I mean, we played pretty much every week, you know. So I was—I was in high school making, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week, you know, playing covers and originals, and and uh, I mean, so it, you know, but you know, once I got with Zach, I mean, in '96, that was. That was pretty much the start of it. And 15 years later, it's, you know, I can say that it's it's a career,
1: <laughs> you know. That's, a, that's awesome. You know, I mean, that that's what every, every kid who does some sort of dreams of. And it's great to see, you know, that you, you've achieved that. And especially it's great for me to see it because, you know, I was a kid growing up in the Pittsburgh area. I, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh and went to Mars, mm-hmm. you know, and I mm-hmm. knew high voltage. I was aware of you guys. Mm-hmm. And you know to, to to see you know to see somebody locally that I was aware of, um you know be, become you know what you become that's just just yeah. awesome to me you know. Wow. awesome. Thank you, man. Hey. hey, you're welcome, man. So um how how did your endorsement deal with Paul Reed Smith come about? Like I guess um yeah, we'll just start with that. How did how how did that come about? Like like why PRS? Like like what what drew you there?
0: Um well I mean I um. The contract, you know, with Washburn I had expired, and they were going through a, a bunch of, you know, changes and all that stuff. And and I was at NAMM, and I went to the PRS booth and and started, to, you know, talking to them, and they were interested. And I drove up to Baltimore, and you know, had a meeting, and that was it. And I mean, it was pretty much on the spot, and and signed me, and did the the uh signature deal and and uh you know did did the you know the first one and then you know we have the new one coming up for uh 12 you know so uh i mean it's amazing to actually have two signature you know prs guitars it's it's crazy i mean it's you know just to have you know one you know and uh but you know even the you know, the guitars Washburn made me, I mean, they were great guitars and, 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 uh, you know, to actually have, you know, signature series of guitars is, it's, it's flattering. I mean, there's, there's definitely people that, uh, you know, I always say there's there's people that are a lot better guitar players than me that don't have a signature, you know, series guitar. I'm, I'm just the lucky one, you know? And, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's cool. I mean, plus it's, 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 uh, you know, pretty much spec'd out to, to like a Les Paul. It's like, it's like the thicker, thicker body, um, you know, EMGs and, you know, jumbo frets on it. And, and, uh you know, it's like Ebony fretboard and the whole, the whole nine. So it it's basically like you're playing like a, it's like a Les Paul custom, but it's a, you know, it's a PRS.
1: I'm looking at it right now, and it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm looking at the red one with the flame maple top. So, Mm. (laughs) since this show is all about gear and guitars, let's geek out here for a moment about it. Um, One of the things that it says on the PRS site is that the neck is wide fat. So, can you elaborate on what that means a little bit for us? Wide fat? Yeah, like, tell tell me more about the neck, about the neck shape. Is Um, that, is it like a C shape? Is it, you know, it's like a baseball bat.
0: I mean, like I've always, I've always, you know, uh, like I've always liked the feel of, of like a custom, you know, like a Les Paul custom. Like I, I couldn't play a thin neck or like a thin radius, you know, it, it's just, but, but, you know, the thing with these necks is it's not too insane. I mean, like, people, you know, with smaller hands can play it, too. You know, it's it's not just anybody, you know, with, like, huge hands can play it. But, you know, I wanted to keep it to where everybody could, you know, could play it but still have that, you know, feel of, like, when you're holding the neck, you're actually holding, like, a, like a weapon. It's, you know, it's not just, like, a yardstick you know, with, 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 with strings on it, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it feels good. I mean, and, and, you know, even live, I mean, you know, I use the SEs. I don't, you know, like, you know, they didn't make me a, you know, like an American made one or whatever. I mean, I, I use the ones that you can get you know, off the rack. So that's awesome. Those were, yeah, I mean, those are the ones that I, that I use. They sound great.
1: Alright, so uh the pickups here. The neck pickups in EMG eighty one, the base pickups mm-hmm. with the Bridge Picker Brothers is the eighty five. So why mm-hmm. did you go with EMGs? Right? Like what 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 made you choose an EMG for the pickups on these?
0: I've always I've always used EMGs. I mean it's just the like you know, even like you know, before I joined Zach it was like I just like the tightness of it, like, you know for like, you know, for rhythms and detunings and stuff like that, it keeps it really tight, you know, it doesn't get flabby on you, and, and um, you know, it just keeps it real, real, real tight. And, uh, you know, I've always, you know, it's just something, you know, I mean, when you're used to it, that's that's what you go with.
1: Yeah. Now, have you always played, like, like the single-cut-away, Les Paul-style shape, or have you yeah. played, like, the other ones over the years?
0: i mean i've you know you know i've gone through like when i was in high voltage i went through like the you know the george lynch esps and you know the stuff like that but i i i've always went back to a les paul and you know and that single cut you know and uh i mean but you know you know i like strats you know i like strat shapes i mean you know i have you know one of the the uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen, Bumblebee, Charvels, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just, you know, I mean, I like guitars. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, that's, you know, that's it. I mean, it, if you're a guitar player, it's it's just, you know, anything with strings, if it feels good and plays, you know, plays good, that's it, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you can pick it up and jam on if it and you know, that's it, but, uh, you know, I'm really not biased. Yeah, that's
1: awesome, man. I, I tell you, the, the more I look at this guitar, it is just a beautiful work of art. Now, well, was thank, there, you, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, was there anything specific around the bodywoods, like why you chose mahogany and the flame maple? Like, was there a certain tone you were going for? But I know, like, for me, I like the bite of maple. So, like, like what, um, what was the choices there? I am
0: you know, honestly, man, it, it wasn't even really thought out. It was, it was something that, uh, I kind of wanted to, um, you know, cause they were saying like with my other one that I had, you know, had my logo on it and, you know, they were like, well maybe cause people, people liked the way that it played, but they didn't want my logo on it, you know, yeah. cause you know, so I was like, okay, well take the logo off. Let's, you know, it was, you know, do like a red flame, do it chrome and, and, uh, you know, see how that goes. So it was, uh, you know, I just wanted to make it look, you know, classy and kind of have like a, you know, 57 Chevy kind of look, you know, just red with chrome and, and, uh, you know, deck it out that way. And, you know, we'll see how people, you know, people like that. And, you know, I know, you know once they pick it up and play it I'm I'm sure they'll dig it but it's uh you know getting them to pick it up that's the thing you got to get them to do so yeah but
1: it just looks like it's a hot rod like it, it looks
0: yeah 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 that's, that's 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 totally what I was going for now
1: um is this available to the public now like is, is it finally officially released
0: yeah yeah yep yeah, definitely. I mean, if it's not in a store, you can you can have the store order it and and uh you know get it in. So,
1: actually, I know my uh, my favorite guitar shop downtown tends to stock your models, so I'll have to go down and see see if they got this one. Yeah, give it a whirl.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's
1: just, it's just beautiful,
0: absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh you know it turned out nice, man. It definitely turned out nice.
1: Yeah. All right, now, so since we're talking about guitars, you recently just signed with Dean Markley Strings. So yeah. um, how, how did that come about?
0: Yeah, I was with Dean Markley a couple of years ago. And um, the way things were was just uh, really unorganized. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not talking bad about anybody, but, I mean, it was... I had my own strings, but they were never in the stores and like any store that I went into was, it was like, Oh, you know, I have my own strings. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, where? And they were never there. And, um, you know, all these promises and they were never kept. And, you know, so finally I was just like, you know what, screw it. And I left and, uh, you know, basically, you know, it's, it's just, you know, why, you know, why be somewhere where, you know, you're, it's, it's not really helping you at, at all, even with like advertisement not you know, they weren't even advertising. So, um, but now, uh, there's been a whole new revamp of the company and, uh, they've done so much for me so far. And like, we just signed like just recently and, you know, for them to fly me out to the golden gods and, and, uh, They have me doing, they, you know, they're going to have me scheduled for like 16, 17 uh, clinics, you know, for me to do. And then, um, they're going to, um, you know, have me do this thing. It's called jam play. That's on, it's on the internet, you know, like lessons and yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it's, you know, it just feels good to be, to be with somebody that actually, uh, you know, is going to help you, you know succeed, and you know while while you're carrying their flag as well so it's hey, awesome,
1: actually, I had that gym play app on my iPad. It's pretty sweet what they do,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, you know we're still gonna you know we're still talking about it, it's still in the works but but uh I think some sometime in July I'm gonna go out and do it and so uh, you know, so that'll be another you know another thing to do and Try to keep busy. That's
1: awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, yeah. But tell me, tell me more about your your signature strings. Like, what's what's the gauge like? Like, what I guess are there going to be multiple gauges. What gauge do you play? Like, why did you choose the strings you chose? Again, like, I this is a podcast for deer here, so.
0: <laughs> it's it's uh, uh basically just ten through fifty eight. Okay. You know, yeah. I mean, it just you know, like we tried ten through sixties but it's just sixties is just way it, it, it takes too much effort to play. I mean, yeah. you know, and you know, the older you get you're just like, this is that is a stupid you know, I don't even want to try bending these strings and yeah. but uh you know, it's just you know, we wanted to to you know, have like that like the kind of like you know, get the lighter gauge for soloing and then, you know, have the have the heavier bottoms, you know, if you want to drop you know, drop D or, you know, the B or, you know, whatever you want. So it doesn't really turn into spaghetti. Yeah. So it, you know, so you have that option And as far as, uh, you know, you can bend the strings and stuff, but then you can still have some, you know, like the drop work too, so.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now with, uh, with black labor, do you guys tune standard or or you like down a whole step? How does that work?
0: I think we're actually down to like 420. It's a, okay. it's, 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 it's dropped, you know? So it's, you know, when we're, when we're like drop B, I think it's actually a, a, you know, and, uh, I think like D is C, you gotcha. know, like it's, it, it's sad because I, I don't know. It's, it, you know, like yeah <laughs> my, you know, our tech Moby is just, I mean, he, that, that poor guy does 18 guitars a day. I mean, between me and Zach, so it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, I, I go on stage and, you know, just you know, gives me the guitar and that's it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so like a lot of the tube questions and stuff and everything, I have no freaking idea, you know. I, I it was like it was like the other day I had to actually take my guitar to a guitar center to get a neck adjustment. I'm like I don't know how to do this. I'm like I I haven't I haven't done this in, in years, you know, but yeah. but um but yeah, it's it's uh you know, we tune pretty low so it's you know, it gives it that really, you know, fat tone too. Yeah. You know, but like you know, between me and Zach.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Okay, so, so like, since we talked about the lessons and things, or with the possible lessons coming up with jam play, I, actually, I was kind of curious, what is your, like, I guess, what's your practice regimen like? Like, how do you keep up uh, your chops, especially if we're going out on tour? Because, I mean, you know, you guys are on tour for for a pretty decent chunk of time. Like, how do you keep your chops up? How do you stay fresh and ready to go on the road?
0: Um actually i really don't play as much as i should like especially when i'm on the road like you know if we're playing a show every night you know or something i mean i'll just have a an amp in the dressing room or something and just go in and just noodle around and you know i don't have a a set regimen of what i do or you know i'll just play play whatever play a song play you know chromatics played you know whatever you know whatever comes to mind and once i feel like i'm getting bored i'm done you know and yeah and that's it i mean there's like some people that sit there and like oh i gotta play for eight hours or i gotta play. it's like i never been that guy it's you know i i, I played till i feel like i don't want to play anymore <laughs> and just put it down i mean there's like, there's times I'll come off the road and, you know, especially, like, after, like, a two-month tour or something, I won't touch my guitar for, like, a week. I'm like, I don't even want to look at it. I, I'm, I'm done, you know. I, and, but then, you know, I mean, it gives you time to, to um, you know, get yourself back and get your bearings together and, and uh, you know, pick it back up and it kind of feels fresh again
1: that that guys like you always impress me, you know, because I know, like, I, I have to warm up anymore. Did you have tell that? And um, you reminded me of Johnny Ramone. Like, I don't know if you know his story, but he always said he wouldn't even keep a guitar in his house. Like, he didn't play until they went out on tour. He's like, the first couple shows are a little rough. After that, it got easy.
0: Well, no, I mean, you know, you have to warm up. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, you know, regardless of if it's, you know, just you know, just jam a song or, you know, even like, you know, before like, you know, like 15 minutes or a half hour before the show just go up and you'll start yeah. running through some scales or whatever. It's, you know, especially, you know, doubling solos with Zach and, I mean, you, you know, you gotta be on your A game. I mean, there's no, there's no bullshitting around with that. I mean, it's not like I'm just up there doing power chords. I I gotta, you know, I got to keep up with him. So it's, yeah. you know, it's something that, you know, and he keeps showing you on your toes. I mean, it's, you know, like play this, do this. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, which is good. I mean, it, it you know, it makes me a better player. So it, it's, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I always kind of, kind of look forward to is, uh, you know, him pushing me and, and, uh, you know, it's definitely not easy, man. (laughs) You know, when he will sit there and call you and say, okay, we're going to do, you know, we'll do darkest days, you know, the piano song, you're doing the solo and, you know, I want it note for note. And like, there's that really fast lick at the end. It's like, you better nail that. I mean, that's, that's part of the song and, you know, that's the way he wants it. So it's, uh, you know, that's, that's where you got to put your big boy pants on and step up and do it.
1: Yeah. Now, how do you how do you personally learn something like that? With guitar trainers, you can slow the CD down, or do you, um, you just like do it old fashioned. Put put you know full speed like we used to have to do back in the day.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, just train your ear, you know, and then and then during rehearsal, you know, if I if, if I have something, you know, that's a little bit off, I mean, he'll show me you know, and, and, and that's it. So it's,
1: it's,
0: uh, you know, it's not anything that's, uh, too complicated. It's, you know, just kind of, kind of run through it in my head. And, and, you know, once we get the rehearsal, just be like, okay, this right. You know, and then usually it's, you know, it's close, but, you know, say, you know, just try it this way and then, you know, we'll do that. So, um, you know, it's really not formulated. There's, it's, you know, like, like a lot of this stuff with us is real basic. That's cool. Yeah. Uh,
1: you guys are, um, you guys are heading to Europe now, right? Or soon yeah. Rather? yeah. So what's it like touring in Europe versus the States? Like, I guess what are some of the primary differences?
0: Um, I like it better here. <laughs> um, I mean, Europe is—it's it, you know—it just there's there's a lot of things that are different. I mean, you know, just between the language barrier, the money, the 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 um, you know things that you take for granted. I mean, even even Wi-Fi. I mean, like
1: yeah,
0: it's you know it's it's ridiculous. Like you have to like find places that have Wi-Fi. Like some of the hotels don't. Like um, I mean, that's the way that you you stay in touch with home. I mean, Skype and, you know, and, uh, you know, the buses are, you know, kind of funky and there's really no air conditioning. And so if you go in the summertime, it, it gets pretty brutal, you know, but I mean, the shows, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it all comes down to the shows, man. I mean, it's, that's why you're there.
1: You know that's
0: why you're there is the as the you know play and entertain and and uh you know that's it and then you come home
1: huh, that's great, man that's great playing Nick and so thank you for coming on the show tonight. oh, no problem man, no problem at all
2: all right, and we are back, so I want to thank Nick again for that interview. Um, it was a great interview. It was great to talk to him again. I just I, I love talking to to any guitarist, but especially a local guy who has done so well for himself, you know. And it's it's great to see you know the talent that we have in in this town being showcased like it is with Nick. Um, and while we are on the break there uh, with the interview, Sean sent me an interesting picture message um, <laughs> because it turns out that uh, Nick is also a huge Star Wars fan. So Sean, why don't you tell our listeners? What you had a picture of?
3: Well, when I uh, when I got a chance to meet them, uh, he had just gotten in his new guitar picks and the guitar pick had a this nice picture of Darth Vader on it. Um, yeah, I believe that was going out to all like the fan packs that you could buy like, through the fan club or whatnot. But you know, he also uses those live.
2: Dude, that's so, awesome. Yeah, it it just looks amazing. You know what? I have the picture on here. I'll try and put it put a picture up in the show notes. I'll put that picture up there. <clears throat> All right, so Sean and I have um, had the website up for Nick's new guitar on uh, Paul Reed Smith Guitars, PRSGuitars.com. Uh, and if you look spec wise, it's almost identical to his last guitar, the one that had his Evil Twin logo on it. Yeah. Um, and But the one thing that I really, really like that I mean, this is an SE model. And so, you know, Paul Reed Smith, typically the SE models are, I guess what they call the affordable model. And if you're not familiar with PRS, um, when I say affordable, I mean that it's like under a grand. And don't think of that as like a negative thing. It's not like, you know, for me, like it's not like a Fender Squire. Like I know Fender has been trying to push that brand or like a Gibson Epiphone. Right. Like these these are still top-notch guitars. You know, and this is the exact guitar that, that Nick plays on stage. Like he doesn't play, you know, a, a tricked-out model. He plays a stock SE. And if you look at what he has on here, like I, I don't know if you if you're still checking out the spec show, but he's got the EMG pickups in the neck and the um, in the bridge. Yeah. He's also got the Tone Pros bridge on there. I mean, these are nice upgrades. Like really, really nice upgrades. Um, if you guys in the audience are not familiar with Tone Pros, I think it was episode. It's either episode two or episode three, maybe episode three, that I talked to Wookie from Tone Pros, and we we talked all about those bridges. Um, boy, he was a fun guy to talk to. A really really cool guy. A lot of stories, and the Tone Pros bridges. Like Sean, are you familiar with those?
3: Uh, not too much.
2: All right, so you know how how like the Les Paul bridge, um, just kind of hangs out and sits there. Yeah. Yeah. So Tone Pros, the guy who started Tone Pros, basically came up with a locking system for his Les, Les Paul 2 pneumatic bridge um, because his his guitar techs kept knocking it off and knocking it you know out of whack, and he's like, I've got to come up with some way to lock this thing up. So he come, came up with a couple of set screws in it to keep the bridge in place, and with those set screws, that actually, I guess. I want to say complete the circuit, but it's not electronic, but you know what I mean. Like it yeah. it, it, it helps for the vibration, so it actually improves the tone of the guitar. You know, so you, you get a much better uh, response out of the bridge as well. It, uh, it turns out, check this out, I actually have one on my Schechter. Um, okay. Um, did you, have you seen my orange Schechter? I can't remember. I don't think
3: so. I see pictures of it, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, I actually have one on there. Because okay, I, I remember talking with Wookie, I'm like, Man, this seems familiar. And yep, I have one on my Schachter. And it definitely makes a difference. It really does. Because, I mean, I, I don't like two pneumatic-style bridges. They drive me batty. I like a nice old Fender style. But I prefer a Fender style that's locked down so it doesn't move. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, it really makes a difference in the sound of the tone. And even even the feel. Like, the feel for me, at least. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, if you get a chance, go to your local guitar shop. Check out the new Nick Catney's PRS model. this this This, guitar is gorgeous you know i talked about that in the interview that that it's just beautiful and it really is like just the 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 red color and the flame maple are just absolutely beautiful
3: yeah yeah and actually it is the exact same specs as the evil twin logo one so it's definitely uh and yeah it is actually quite affordable for paul reed smith
2: yeah and, and the best part still a great guitar yeah you know which is awesome. All right. So let's move to our next segment here. Sean, let's talk about Gear Lust. Have you uh, had any Gear Lust lately since that's what the show's all about? We're all about the gear.
3: Uh, yeah, the uh, Nick Catney's model PR.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say you and me both on that one. The more the more I look at this, I'm like, you know, maybe I could trade in my Schechter. <laughs> I'm not, it's
3: hovering over the Add to Cart button right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, guitar wise, you know, I'm still looking at Les Pauls and stuff like that. I've always wanted one. You know, always played the Ibanezes, but uh, you know, there's something about the Les Paul that you know, always ever since you know, seeing you know Randy Rhodes and Zach Wild and all them playing one, and you know the history behind the guitars.
2: That's something. Uh, you know, I'm I'm totally with you because um. Did you catch John's Facebook post today? No. His Facebook post today, he, um, today's Ace Freely's birthday.
3: Right. And, yeah, and
2: Something about his post, he's like, oh, t- you know, how many of you picked up a guitar because of Ace Freely? And I can tell you that's why I picked up a guitar. Well, actually, I am because of John.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, actually, I'd have to say any, but yeah. Yeah, the uh, East really definitely paved a lot for the uh, Les Pauls and for guitar players in general. Almost everyone always points to Ace as an influence.
2: Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, so for me, like I, I, th- I think I, I told you I've really been into um, the Fender Pawn Shop series guitars. Yeah, and I keep looking at the fifty-one because it's basically like. A cross between the original 51P bass and a Strat as far as looks, but it's got a hard tail and a humbucker in the bridge, which is what I like, and of course, you know, maple fingerboard. Um, And I keep thinking about it, keep thinking about it, keep thinking about it, and I told my wife this year, I think what I'm going to do is 2014 will be the um, 60th anniversary of the Stratocaster. I think wow. what I'm going to do is wait till 2014, and I'm going to finally get myself a Strat with a humbucker in the in the bridge. So I'm That's going to start true. saving now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think amp-wise, you know, I'm kind of torn because, you know, I always had, like, the rack system and all that, but, you know, the uh, torn between, like, you know, back when, you know, back in the day, everyone's was playing through, like, the Mesa Boogie triple rectifiers, now it seems like everyone's kind of moved on to the PV 5150s, which is interesting because, you know, I don't even think any place is that anymore. But uh, those, I mean, it seems like, you know, I was talking to, you know, Phil Devil from Machine Head, and they use amp modelers, but they're modeling it after the 5150. And it seems like that's becoming like a very popular uh, amp head. See, I kind yeah. of yeah. hand it to mm-hmm.
2: PV; They mm-hmm. did a great job mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. I mean, they really mm-hmm. did. Um, mm-hmm. I, have you have checked you, out the you, PV AmpKit software? No. Okay, so okay. when you get a chance, check that out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I downloaded the AmpKit software. It's become my favorite modeling software because, because PV, PV did it right. Like, like, instead of modeling everybody else, and they do do, do a, f- a few other models. Like They have to have the Vox AC30 and a Marshall in there. Uh, but they actually really? model themselves. So they're modeling. Well, it's not the 5150. It's actually the 6505, right, right, um, which is still technically 5150. But um, so they model the, the, the 6505. They model, you know, a bunch of their other classic PV amplifiers. I wish they put a butcher in there, personally, but like that's the smart thing to do. Mod- model yourself, and put it out in software. I mean, it, it's like a twenty-dollar app on my iPad, and sounds amazing.
3: Yeah, I uh, actually looking at it. I got to get an iPad. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it seems like, you know, amp modeling is actually, it seems like it's becoming more and more common now, especially since you see like Digitex got their amp modelers modeling everything else and and, all kinds of stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's, I guess, you know, why buy all the amps when you can get them all into a piece of software?
2: Yeah, the amp modelers, Sean, they've really, really come a long way. You know, and, and it's funny, I, I, I get torn sometimes because when, when I'm working in Logic, I will do everything with modelers, but I still love what I can do with an amplifier. You know, and I do like, um, you know, coming back to the PV side, I don't know if you've seen the PV revalver software. No. Um, episode or two back, Scott from um, Focus on Metal did a review on it for me. And again, this is PV modeling themselves. And if you take a look at the full version... Dude, like these guys, you talk about OCD when it comes to designing a program. (laughs) Um, You can actually like tweak the circuitry. You can go and swap out tubes virtually. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, like it's it's sick. It's sick. They really really thought about this, you know. Yeah, it's some crazy stuff. All right, man. So let's move on here and talk about. uh, Well, let's talk about pedals. So. I, I've had a problem this year. As I look around the room here, I'm going to do a quick count. We're going to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I bought eight pedals so far just this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they've been on eBay, they've been cheap, but really i got to stop. Because um, <laughs> I'm going to run out of room pretty quick.
3: Pedals aren't cheap.
2: <laughs> you know what, though? Like, um... I, I think you and I were talking about before. You remember Mike McClough's um, distortion you had when we were kids?
3: Yeah, super distortion. Yeah, That's the
2: super. Tech. I picked that up for twenty bucks on eBay.
3: That's
2: not bad. No, you can't. You can't beat that. And then I got a death metal pedal. If you remember that, the Digitech Death Metal came out t- towards the end of the nineties. Um, I got that for twenty bucks. It's a one-trick pony, but it's a hell of a trick. Definitely. And then, oh, I I know I didn't tell you about this. Um, I picked up another heavy metal pedal. Oh wow! Because
3: it's a classic.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I have I have the original. I have the one that my dad and I bought when I was a kid. Right. And um, I wanted to get another one because I want to try to mod it because I I love the pedal. You know, I've always been kind of obsessed with it. Is it um well for a long time now, and have you heard of a band called Rotten Sound? No. All right, so check this out. So and this is kind of what really r- really drove me to to go get another pedal and try to mod it and stuff again. Like these guys apparently their entire sound is based on the heavy metal pedal. Right. And, you know, you think I get obsessed with stuff. They 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 made a band t-shirt that is the boss heavy metal pedal. <laughs> like it's just a picture a picture of the, of the pedal and then it has like their their name um, you know, instead of input and output it says rotten sound. It's it's pretty sweet looking, so that 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 got me thinking about it again. So I, I want to try and do some mods mods to it, and I'm certainly not going to touch my original. I'm going to leave that as is. But um, I found a mod online, and if you remember the pedal at all, it has like the the red check check uh-huh. battery button. Yep. There's a mod where you take the take the bottom off, you put in like a, like a lucite bottom, and then um you you put in like a red LED so the bottom glows. So it doesn't do anything to the sound at all. It just makes it look cool. Yep. I think that'd be kind of neat. And then yep. I think I told you I got the um, the super distortion feedbacker.
3: Okay. Yeah. That was that, that's the uh, fifty-five B?
2: Close. It's the DF <clears> two. <throat> the DF two. I I know it's one you're 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 thinking about it because um there's a new one they put out. There's an FB something yeah. as a feedbacker. Yeah, this is the old DF2, and it's, it's got the original pre-lawsuit logo. So that, that was um that was a lot of searching on eBay. <laughs> but most recently, and you and I have been talking about this one a lot. Um, I just picked up the Ibanez TS9 30th Anniversary Edition. Uh-huh. So I can't believe this pedal's 30 years old. You know, it came out in '82 originally. Right. I saw it in. I think I saw it in Premier Guitar. I was slipping through there, and I saw the ad for it, and just it looks awesome. Like it's a cross between, um, makes me think of like either the Wizard of Oz because of the emerald green of the case, right, and the Green Lantern. Like, like I, I really think of the Green Lantern because when you when you fire this sucker up, man, it glows green. Oh wow! Like it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I used to have the uh, TS10. Yeah. Which was, like I said, one louder. But uh, <laughs> you killing know, you
2: know me.
3: So you know, it's it's. I guess I, I don't know if I could figure out a way to use it right with the sound I was going after or whatnot. But you know, I you know, it was a great pedal. But I don't think I used it as much as I probably could have. Um, you know, it doesn't give you that. You know, it's kind of like a mild distortion.
2: Uh-oh. Yeah, because it's really my. I mean, I guess this really is an overdrive pedal where you're kind of yeah. pushing the amp more. Yeah, um, and I mean, I know when I was a kid, I didn't, I did not understand overdrive, distortion, fuzz, and it's really only been probably the last couple of years that that overdrive is starting to make sense to me. But I mean, I'm a bass player in my defense, you know. Right. I don't. I don't have to know that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the TS10, which. Uh... I think it came out in uh, 86, if I remember correctly. didn't really take off too well. I know a couple people were using it, like Stevie Ray Vaughan was using it or whatnot. but it's still the least sought after of all of the tube Screamers.
2: That's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because I think there's actually even some pretty <laughs> cool mods for that pedal all, um, If if you search the different forums and stuff.
3: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, a, it was a decent pedal it was you know built like a tank just like all the other ones you know they changed the design a little bit but it did have a, a different different chip and you know cheaper jacks and cheaper pots on it
2: yeah I would think right there that would make it more rare
3: yeah you would think but uh I guess you know, it was the sound that you know. Every after, it did have the full you know sound that you would get from like the 808 or the 09.
2: Yeah. Well, so speaking of sound, man. So it's funny because I, um, <clears throat> well, you know, I've been traveling. So I actually bought this pedal when I was out in California. So I go into Guitar Center. I'm literally their last customer of the day. They were. It was like seven fifty nine. They closed at eight o'clock. They let me come in. I said, Hey, I want to take a look at your pedals. So I just happened to see it there. Like I I was just looking for anything. I was really hoping to see if they were carrying, because I heard a rumor they were going to start carrying some of the Death by Audio. Right. And I figured, you know, Guitar Center, California, definitely seems like a place for a Death by Audio pedal. They didn't have any, but I saw this this Ibanez. I said, well, let me try it out. So they got me a single coil Strat, um, maple neck, you know, the way I like it and he's he's like well you know the TS9 doesn't have that have that much bass you know some people think it's it's too it's too tinny
3: uh-huh.
2: so i don't know if it was the amp settings or whatever but i will tell you uh, every time i played this pedal and i played it since i've been home dude it had a lot of beef like it had a thick bottom end on it it was it was it fattened up a single coil strat like i totally get now why Stevie Ray would have been using this oh yeah you know yeah and well
3: you know Kirk Cannon was using it too and- metallica it was metallica which i think was the reason why i'm trying to buy wood.
2: Oh, that's right that's right he was using that and probably what just for like a like a like a lead boost i guess
3: probably yeah yeah but, you know definitely it's not that metallica sound you know
2: <laughs> it's not but man i like it like I'm, I'm trying to think of interesting ways i can use it now because i i plugged in my dime bag um, I gotta, I, you, you gotta get over here sometime cause you haven't seen half my new toys. Um, but like my dime bag guitar, I don't know if it's just the way that the pickups are set up or if it's just the type of pickups that are, that are in it. But, um, the dime bag gets way more distortion than the single coil strat that I tried it out through it.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. You know,
2: it just cause, cause it's such a high output. So I'm thinking, you know, that, that, that could be a whole lot of fun. I love it, but I, I really dig it. It's it's. I mean, it's really. It's a really subtle overdrive, you yeah. um, know. Like if if you remember, okay, and and we're we're gonna we're gonna test your your history and your film knowledge at the same time. Ready? Yep. If you remember, Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park,
3: uh-huh.
2: and and I am really pushing it. Um, the section where they're doing sound check. Um, the girls walk around trying to find her boyfriend, and they're doing the sound check. And you just kind of see, like, like the rigging and stuff they're putting up, and you hear this <laughs> like that barrel, arrow.
3: Uh
2: huh. B- it's that sound because, yeah. because it's that fat sound. It's not really overdriven. It just beefs up the um, just beefs up the tone. Yeah.
3: Yeah, which is why I think you know I think I do remember playing with it a few times, like because I had the super distortion at the time and, and playing it with both of them at the same time and i think i tried mixing it with uh when i had that old crate g60 i love the old crates some of the best distortion you ever hear yeah
2: i agree i agree
3: and uh you know it's it's you know even the new crates don't sound like those old ones anymore and uh yeah i remember mixing those up and i got an interesting sound from it but uh I don't think it was something I, you know, use as much as, like I said, but as much as I could.
2: Yeah. You know what, man? Those old sixty-watt crates. That was some distortion.
3: You know, I've been looking. You know, I, I, every once in a while, I'll go on eBay try to find one. You know, if I find one at a decent price, in a decent condition, then get one. You know, all the ones I found are usually pretty much, you know, spare parts. But, uh, yeah, that was, you know, one of the things, you know, I, I had all this gear and I kind of regret selling it, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate that. Like, I have I have so much stuff laying around the house right now. Like, I, I, have, um, I, I have that MC-505 I picked up a while back. Yeah. I don't know if I've plugged it in since we've been in this house. And yet, I can't bring myself to sell it. Right. You know, and well, you know, you know what's really funny is I I sold all my drum machines because I've been doing everything in the box. I sold everything but one. I I didn't sell my original DR five
3: hundred and fifty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, and I don't. Again, I don't think I fired that one up, but it's just it's it's sentimental to me. And there's really nothing that sounds like the D R hundred and fifty. Like everybody's you know gotten better sounding. <laughs> <laughs> so so, if I'm looking for that DR 550 sound, like the original Doctor Rhythm, I have to have a Doctor Rhythm, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. But okay. well, yeah, I, uh, I I I missed that amp, <laughs>
2: oh, dude. Those are great sounding amps, because because you have one, Jeff had one, and um, I love the distortion because you got that Anthrax um, Among the Living sound. that 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 wall of sound that heavy like scooped out distortion (laughs) it was so freaking solid so solid and speaking of anthrax i actually heard them when i was driving home tonight um i was listening to what i can't remember the track now in the end in the end from the new disc dude i love that new disc
3: y'all it's a great great album
2: I love that new disc. I mean, and you and I just saw him live back in November too. Yep. Just man, that was such a great show. And again, that comes back to a point we made earlier, because you remember just as so well as I do. Ian didn't stop moving the whole darn show
3: at all,
2: not at all. It's like it's like he's a shark, you know. Like if he stops <laughs> moving, he'll die or something. Like his yeah. son of a gun did not stop moving.
3: Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, you know, he's also been doing it for how many years.
2: Well, yeah, but, I mean, like, he's always been like that. These guys have always been that wired. And, I mean, you know, I know he's got to be minimum five years older than me, minimum, you know. And I know he's got uh, a little one now. And Uh to be able to have a little one who's going to keep him up all night um, and still go out and, and play like he plays, that's a testament to anybody. Oh, yeah. You know? I think a lot of
3: it, too, is, like, you know, you mentioned the younger bands not having, you know, that intensity or stage presence. You know, it's, you know, it takes a while to get to that point because, yeah, Anthrax has been doing that forever, but how long were they doing it before they really got big, you know? You yeah. Know, it's, stagecraft is, is an art just as, you know, much as, you know, or stagemanship, I'm sorry, stagemanship. You know, it's just, you know, as much, you know, just like playing the guitar, you know, being able to do it blindfolded takes practice and then being able to do it while moving takes even more practice and, you know, a lot of the younger bands, you know, I think they're more worried about trying to get the songs to sound right, yeah. are about their stage presence, which, you know, is one thing at that bow of the band, you know, a couple of the first bands, you know, they didn't move once, you know.
2: See, and you know what's, what's funny though, you would think in in the day of the internet that we have now, um, that with YouTube, you you would think that they would have so much, you know, so much reference material that would actually <laughs> improve, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah, you would think.
2: Cause I mean, th- think about it. Like, like we had Live After Death, um, Ode of Nicky Fessin, Cliff them All, Cliff them All. Like, like, those are the big three videos that we would have probably been watching. Like, I know I watched. Man, I, I watched uh, Live After Death. Oh, a whole ton of times. And you know, one one that really did it for me—that was probably like my Bible back in the day. Animalize Live.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, remember that one. Then.
2: I watched that constantly. I was always watching that, watching that video. You know, and I mean, you know, it's, it's like take a band like Kiss. You know, they they almost in, like reinvented showmanship in the '70s. Oh yeah. It could do a whole new level. All right. So enough talk about pedals and stuff. Um, one last thing, and then we'll call it a night, man. Um, you convinced me to get an IM2 for Tascam. I yeah. haven't gotten a chance to use mine yet, but I know you've used yours. And for anyone who wants to hear it in action, um, head over to ironcityrocks.com. Check out the episode with Pop Evil. And that's where Sean interviewed. Who would you interview again?
3: Uh, Senator Lee. Kakati, uh, it's uh, yeah, the singer from Pop, Abel Lee He's uh, awesome guy, very you know, very humble, you know, just like Nick. Um, but uh, yeah, checked out. I, I used that. I had actually just probably received it in the mail the day before. <laughs> nice,
2: nice.
3: So I was still kind of you know working through its bugs to get to play with it too much before the actual interview. Uh, but you know it performed great. You know you plug it right into the iPhone. It's one less thing you have to carry. I mean, well, you got to carry the microphone, but it's so small. Yeah. You know, got a little case for it. So it, it you know, it, it, it works just as good as any of the other task like all-in-one recorders. I think it. Uh, you know, it's got a built-in limiter. It's got you know level control built into it. Uh, it does eat your eye iphone battery a little bit it, it won't work with some, i think it only works with the newest ipod touch uh, and of course the ipads but uh you know it it didn't even really drain the battery too much i think i, I had it on to uh, talk to him for about a half an hour and my battery didn't go down much at all and uh, i was using tascam had software that uh, the, the wave recorder tascam pcm recorder which you know looks exactly like all the Tascam you know the interface looks exactly like one of the Tascam handheld recorders nice uh, you know very simple to use you know you plug it into iTunes and then it pops up like we you go to your apps uh, your apps pay, you know apps tab or whatever uh, if you scroll down there's you know some of the apps will let you take the files right off so you can just take the files right off of it you know it's you can record mp3 you can record wave and uh, it also uh, the software also interfaces with uh, SoundCloud, so you can just up, upload it right to SoundCloud.
2: Oh no way! That's that's awesome. I can't wait to try this out then.
3: Yeah, um, so that was one of the things too. Is like when it first came out, I think uh, the later versions of the software they let you take the so- take the files off through iTunes, but originally when it first came out, you could only get it off through SoundCloud, which which is cool, but it could be a little bit of a pain, you know. Oh yeah. But, uh, especially if you're not paying for SoundCloud because they have, they do have, you know, a maximum you're allowed to upload at any given time. But uh, yeah, so I've used it a couple of times since, and it, it, it sounds great, you know. Uh, the interview with Lee, you know, I did have to do some noise reduction and stuff because, but you know, we're on the bus and there's a lot going on. Yeah. Didn't have it positioned exactly in the right place, at the handheld—you know—I had to hold it. In there. Where I was sitting, I was sitting across from the room, There was people walking, you know, between us. So there's times I had to move it. You could hear that kind of get all warbly when it was being moved. But you know, uh, all, on, all, I think it's great. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, uh, I did have it on to record a couple songs while they were playing, just to check it out in the room. And uh, it did pretty good. I had the levels up a little too high, so it was a little hot. But <clears throat> excuse me, it' a uh, great, great mic for the price. You know, it's you know it's super cardioid, unidirectional, or, uh, unidirectional but you, you can rotate it uh, 180 degrees. And uh, yeah, it's great, great little thing for. I think I paid
2: 75, 80 bucks for it. That's not bad. It's not bad. I paid about the same for mine. I mean, and when you think about, like, so like my, my Zoom H2 that I have, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, I'm all about different recorders, different options, but like right. my, my H2, that was, I, well, I, no, I think it was probably closer to 200 bucks when I got it because they, they ended up dropping the price. But I mean, 200 bucks for for a recorder, and let's face it, almost everybody has some sort of smartphone. And, yeah. I mean, granted, yeah, this one's iPhone-specific, but if, um, if if manufacturers, well, this I guess it's going to have to be if, if other smartphone manufacturers start making some sort of standard as far as connectors, I mean, I could really see the peripheral market, you know, really go up for these sort of things.
3: Yeah, that's the one thing I am worried about because some of the rumors for the next iPhone are saying they're going to be changing the dock connector. Oh. Yeah, I just um, actually read that the other day. Um, but, you know, with Apple and rumors, you know, yeah, you can't really, you know, you don't really even know. I don't even think they know until it comes out half the time. But, uh, yeah, there's rumors that they're going to a smaller dock th- connector, which I'm sure... There'll be a third party adapter all oh, real quick because you, know, you got to think, you know, everything that that dock connector does, you know, you've got speaker interfaces, you've yeah. got, you know, everyone just has to go and reinvest all kinds of stuff. And Apple is really not about that.
2: Yeah. That's a good point. And speaking of Apple, um, I was in California last week, and so I made it a point to visit <laughs> the Apple campus. And that's all I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, so do you, do you know, like, the whole thing with the Apple Store on, on their campus? Uh, no. All right, so it's called the Apple Company Store. I think if you go to, like, apple.com slash either company store or the company store, one of the two, um, it'll tell you a little bit about it. So they don't sell computers, phones, or anything that you would expect. They pretty much only sell, like, accessories. So you can get, like, phone cases, um, like iPad styluses, iPad cases, laptop cases, and of course, Apple branded merchandise. Yeah. Which means that I came back with a t shirt, um, and I got my daughter a pink Apple onesie. <laughs> and I got my son, I think I got him either a blue shirt. Yeah, I think I got him the blue shirt, the blue shirt with the Apple logo. And I got my wife a because I couldn't find any uh, girl shirts that I thought were cute enough. Right. Yeah, all Apple branded. Yeah. And you know what's funny about that? Is you should have seen how many people were in that store.
3: Oh, I imagine. It's it's interesting is and I just read this the other day because after Steve Jobs death, all these little anecdotes are starting to pop up all over the place. But when they were getting close to uh, selling the one millionth IMAC. This would have been back I think when it was still looking like those uh the big round things, the round ones, Steve Jobs wanted to do a Willy Wonka type thing and put a golden ticket in the box of the one million paid um, iMac. And then you would, you know, the winner would actually come and get a tour of the Apple facility and the campus and whatnot. Actually, I think he was even, you know, wanting to dress up kind of like Willy Wonka for the event. <laughs> that would
2: have been priceless.
3: But, uh, the, you know, the board of directors didn't want to do it, and, and they're trying to talk him out of it, but he wanted to do it. But California law states yeah. that any contest has to be available to, you know, no purchase necessary. Gotcha. So you didn't want to risk the person winning and not actually buying the one millionth iMac or even being an Apple fan. Gotcha. That's, That's
2: awesome. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Well hey man, I think on that we'll call it a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
3: uh great talking to you. Yeah, it you too, man. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, thanks for being on the show. And everybody out there, until next time, make some noise.